podcast where we talk about things with one super special guest every week. Just sit back, relax, and hear us speak on This Is Happening, the podcast. Hello, welcome back to This Is Happening. Hey, welcome back to our maybe 10th episode. Big 10th. Something like that, unless we change episodes or whatever, who knows. This is Nathan Streifel. And Eric Morris. Your co-hosts. And today we are here with the fabulous, sexy, intelligent, smart Max Kleinman. Hello, everybody. Max is an actor, a writer. He produces content and also records audiobooks, does the voices. Am I missing anything? Um, I teach. I'm directing a middle school play right now. Um, yes! Oh, the I middle school it. play! I totally mm-hmm. forgot about that. When awesome. does that go up? That goes up at the very beginning of May. Well, let's plug that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, we should absolutely which, plug that. Which middle school? Uh, Kip Scholar Academy in South LA. In oh. Limer- uh, no, yeah, South LA. Fantastic. I love it. So you'll um, be able to, uh, it makes sense that you record um, audiobooks because your voice, as I'm hearing, is <laughs> really resonant. That's what people have been telling me since I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. I'm so really the resonance, of it. it's just a natural resonance. It's not like a, this. you haven't been developing this for the audiobooks? I have not been developing this for the audiobooks. <laughs> um, I had my adenoids out when I was like four or five because I couldn't breathe through my nose as a child. I had my adenoids out too. You did? Yeah, when I was little. Okay, okay so maybe that wasn't it. It didn't give, um, it, didn't it give you the same. It my nasality for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, you know, I learned to sort of breathe weird and I don't know what's going on. So I yeah, sort of think sure. maybe it had something to do with that or just how. Totally. You know, genetics. Yeah, genetics. Although I, I was always told I was a loud kid. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily deep resonance, but loud for sure. Yeah. Well, and being loud was definitely, I mean, I, I sort of cultivated it once I realized I wanted to be an actor. It was right, right. what, it was one of the most important things to get cast in plays in middle school and high school was just be heard. If you can make definitely, yourself heard, you'll get into the play. Definitely. Yeah, if you project. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Basics. Um, yeah. Which I can tell you don't have a problem with. No. Your voice can fill a room, I'm sure. It has many times. <laughs> it's filling this room. It sure is. I feel filled. So, Max, where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia, just outside Philly. Eagles just won. You happy about that? Not a big NFL person, pick up. Not a big NFL person. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. But I'm, you know, I'm happy for everybody back home. Everybody's very happy, so I'm yeah. happy with and for them. And it was a great game. I watched the game, and I was super into the great game. Great game. Great game. I mean, super back and forth. Really special. Where'd you go to college? Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. It's about half an hour outside New York. So okay. did you grow up in? Um, Philly proper, like city life, or no? I grew up in the suburbs, about like ten minutes from the city limits, half an hour from Center City. What town? Oh, okay, Jenkintown. Okay, Jenkintown. I went to uh, Penn. Oh, cool. Um, So I was wondering if is Penn in Philly? It is. Okay, cool. West Philly. Yeah, West Philadelphia. (laughs) Mm -hmm. In a a terrible neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, but the neighborhood has improved oh, since, yeah, I for went, sure. since I went there mm-hmm. in the late 80s, early Gentrified 90s. at all? Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever go back, Eric? I went back for my 25th reunion. Oh, wow. Cool. That's super nice. old. That's nothing. <laughs> That's nothing. Well, it would be a lot for you. 
It will be. It, it is most it is of your life. life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just went for my 25th birth reunion. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, I, did. I went back for that, which was great. I had a good time. Good. That's awesome. It's a long time. Still keep and, in touch? Was it like... Uh, uh, there's a... There, like, you know, basically I only saw the people that I do do kind of keep in touch with. there, And... And then kind of an extended um, kind of network of yeah. random people that yeah. There's a lot of people that I that I don't see very often. Even some people in LA who um, who I've known you know for decades, college. and it's just but I don't we don't talk. see each other. Yeah. They have, they're married, have they too. have kids, whatever you know. And I just don't really see them very much. But um, we've gone far afield from our guests. We have yes. Back to <laughs> Max. So your family still lives in uh, Jenkintown. Jenkins no, home. my family, I have no family in Philly right now. My brother lives a half an hour outside the city in South Jersey. In okay. In like the other direction in the deep farm country When you say there. half an hour outside the city, you mean... Philly, New sorry. York? Philly yeah, again, okay. still. Um, he's the closest. And then I have a lot of extended family in like Central Jersey and North Jersey. Gotcha. Um, and, and you went to school in York, Jersey. And I went to school in Jersey. Gotcha. Did you, did you like, was you like wanting to go to Jersey or was it... Um, this school just was sort of always on the back of my mind. One of my I older siblings' friends went there, and it was like, oh, good theater program. Is it D-R-E-U? Has a good arts D-R-E-U. D-R-E-W. D-R-E-W. Oh, Drew. Like the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And then after Drew, did you come? I came straight out here. So I lived for the summer in Philly at home, and then got in the car and drove out here. So you never Uh, wanted to go to New York for theater? I did. A lot of my, all of my friends went there. I was a poli-sci major, uh, theater minor, but I was friends with all of the theater kids. I mean, I was, I came really, really close to being a theater major. The only reason I didn't was because of a weird snafu with, like, you had to take all the theater history classes in order. And they only offered them at certain times, and uh, I wanted it was to like late to the game kind of thing. I wanted to because I did a semester abroad in London studying acting. That actually prevented me from being a theater major at Drew because it meant <laughs> I couldn't start because I hadn't already started the theater history track as a sophomore, as a junior. I missed it. How in fall, weird! And it was you could whole, just be like, I just literally went to one of the you know I tried. eminent histor- historical places for a theater. I tried, and they That's were like, funny. Nah. So then I... But what does it matter? Right. So basically, theater history three and directing were the two classes I didn't take that uh, would have gotten me. Oh, wow. Where did you study in London? It was... (laughs) So it's a satellite campus of Fordham University. They call it the London Dramatic Academy, which makes it sound like Lambda or RADA or any of the others... Um, and the faculty all teach at those schools, but this is just its own little sub-campus that's, you know, however many American students come for the year or semester, just get their own little isolated conservatory program. So, oh, wow. So you were just with Americans? Yeah. it was. There were 14 of us. Oh, that's cool. Um, it was really cool. Um, the guy who ran it, a guy named Richard Digby Day, uh, London theater director who had friends, you know, all over the city and, and uh-huh. the industry... Uh, and they would bring in one person a week, like London theater people, to come talk to us. And there right. were 14 of us, so we got to ask, you know, whatever questions we wanted. Right. Imelda Staunton came right before uh, she played, right before she played Professor Umbridge in uh, oh, Harry yeah, Potter 5. Um, for sure. 
And Michael Sheen came. Michael Sheen we saw in a play at the National Theater. And the guy didn't actually know him. We just all liked him so much that he, like, made a couple phone calls and got him to come talk to us. So uh, it was not one of the big schools, but the education was sort of the same stuff, just condensed down to a semester's worth of it. And we got a right. lot of, like, right, right, great right. sort of personal attention. And yeah, London. I spent a, a summer in London, um, and I, I had an internship uh, in Parliament. And it's still Ooh. one of the best jobs I've ever had. But there were four Poli people. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of was on that track at the time. Um, I but, get it. Um, there were four people that had internships, and there was one acting internship. And I, I guess like she must have been set up with a theater company. I don't remember which one, but um, her name was Melissa Erico, um, and she became like a Broadway actress. Who, oh, cool. She she went to Yale, and then she starred in My Fair Lady opposite Richard Chamberlain. She played wow, Eliza cool. Doolittle. And, wow! Wow! Um, yeah! Yeah! Then she ended up on a show that Darren Starr created and blah, blah, blah. Um, well, she had I've, a nice career. That's I've right. yet to make Never. my London debut, <laughs> <laughs> but I will at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. But it was I, I, it was like one of the best times I've had. Just oh, I, I loved it. Few months did you go to the city a lot? Yeah, I mean, we were in the city. They were We were living in the city. They put us up and... I was living... We lived in Hampstead, kind of on the... Ooh. On the near Hampstead Heath, but... A, on a campus of like the University of London, they found oh, nice. us like these little apartments. Yeah, they doors. just had like a bunch of a building of flats for us yeah. um, in uh, Maida Vale, which is another actually like really nice little area. Yeah, um, did and you then, go out and party at all? Yeah, um, the a lot. I mean, pubs and I did bars too. and yeah. things. I was seventeen I was I turned twenty while I was there. I think so. I. Party like crazy. It was fun. I bet so much fun. <laughs> I threw up on a night bus. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> night bus or the twenty-four hour buses. I threw up on the double the upper deck uh-huh. of, and I was the only one. I I fell asleep after. I like had my knees up on the seat in front of me, and like I had just like thrown up onto the floor beneath me. This so is it an was embarrassing story. And then I woke up <laughs> at the end of the line when I, the guy yelled up the stairs like. Hey, we're you know you got to get off, and I was like, "Oh dear!" Oh. It's like, where and am I? Like, I? Somewhere in walked. London. Oh yeah, my god! Basically, I'm just had to. And <laughs> luckily, there was a bus stop across the street, and so I just like went and waited at the bus stop wow. across the street. Wow! Pre okay. cell phones, pre cell pre smartphone. Oh yeah, cell phone. for sure, for sure. Crazy. Yeah, there was no such thing as a cell phone when I was in London. Yeah, you just uh, figured it out, I guess, right? I was just thinking about that You're the other day. Taking public transportation when you were there. Back in the oh yeah, back in the day. Yeah, we're taking. The, I took the tube everywhere. I got like a pass for the month, and it was and pretty easy. The London Underground is fantastic. Yeah, you, you know, it was in '87, and it still is. It's it's great. It's it's really nice. It's much nicer than the New York subway system. Right. Like nice as in like um, though it doesn't run twenty four hours. Nice? That's the thing. Anytime anybody compares their subway to New York, I'm always like, yeah, but the New York subway runs twenty four hours. True. But some of those lines you got to wait for a while. Sure. But I mean, but it's if you're if it's three in the morning and you're taking the subway, what can you expect? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. L.A. sucks. I mean, L.A.'s okay. Is if, it? I I don't. I know. I I do take <laughs> it to the. Places that I can get directly from one spot to another, which and is very so few. rare. It's so you, know, you can't get from wherever it is you live to go. And yeah, that's you literally the point have to live next next to a stop and, and you be, have going to be going to next a, to a one stop. of the. Few I took a job that, to a stop. at the hotel downtown yeah. that was 
because I was like, oh, great, I live in Hollywood, it's downtown, I can take the train. And then yeah, I take the ter- train downtown, and it's not bad. It's not bad, but I, now I drive. Yeah, yeah, driving's nice. But the parking also is a hassle, too, which sucks. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so what were we talking about? <laughs> how'd you end up in LA? Like, that's, that's right. I was going to ask. Oh, yeah. That. So uh, so <laughs> I went to school in Jersey, and I did theater, and everybody there always they went was going to go to New York. They were talking about the Tonys, and they were talking about Broadway stage, shows stage, and going stage. and doing yeah. all that stuff, and I was just, like, not paying attention to it. It wasn't where my head was. I was... So we had you, my brain was in Hollywood. Was there so. still this poli sci aspect to you? Or was that just I mean, I was at a protest yesterday. Totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> was it for the gun what control protest? What were you protesting? I saw that downtown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was that downtown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in New York yesterday, so oh, I, I did not. Mess. Oh, thank you. Um, I didn't notice that. Right. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was small. It was not even a march. It was just a demonstration in Pershing Square. Yes. But it was... Yes. Good. It was a couple hundred people, and it and was big. I passed by it with Raul. Mm-hmm. We were, we realized what was going on. Yeah. So I guess my in answer to your question, like in I was raised sort of activist minded and was always protesting as a as a kid. I would like as a sophomore in high school. You were like freshman, more lucky freshman in high school. I think okay. I went down to D.C. to protest wow. when Bush was inaugurated. For sure. Um, you know, and so I got to college, and I was like all fired up, and thought I was gonna. Can you be doing imagine that. like being outraged by Bush now? I mean, but compared I to what we have now, I, I remember like, I watching. For I was, a but he still paved so the way. He He's still responsible for this. I was in a, a lot sophomore, or junior in high school That's when true. the carry when Carrie lost in two thousand four, yeah. and I just remember looking at the screen at the TV screen and being so. Devastated and I was, angry. I was, very I was upset like, about that too. I couldn't believe it. Me? Like after he started this ridiculous war the, and the fake weapons of mass destruction, which we all know about. Yeah. And now there's this like rosy afterglow that people are starting to put on. I know uh, Trump is the best thing George that ever w. happened Bush. to Delhi. For real, it's like, hello. Did you guys forget? He also destroyed the economy. Yeah, just completely destroyed <laughs> the economy. <laughs> Nope. Nope. Not even to mention Dick Cheney, but oh, exactly. Yeah. All of it. Anyway. Yeah, so then in college, all of the other, you know, all the other kids in all the poli-sci classes, like, raised their hand a lot and, like, knew things that were going on and were paying a lot more attention than I was. And I was, like, I'm in rehearsal all night. I'm going to play. I totally. Can't. I'm not totally paying attention can't. to any of this shit. I don't care. Right. So that was sort of like... And then the I stayed with the poli-sci major because it sort of worked and it was a light major and it allowed me to take a whole semester away and not do it. And so right. then I... You know, I'm, again, I'm still political-minded. Theater is but also inherently political in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. or can be. Yeah. So Big you time. came out here. And, came out here. Um, and and what, did, what did you do? I came out here, and I immediately... Was uh, it just, like, graduated boom? I spent the summer uh, at oh, okay. home. Um, I was going to try to get a job, and then I didn't. And then... I went to New York for the release of the book of Harry Potter book seven right, <laughs> right away. And then, you know, came yeah. home in Philly. And then in September drove across the country with my best friend and, uh, took two weeks and made a nice trip of it. And then I had a cousin who lived out here who had at the time was living in a house in Laurel Canyon. So I drove oh, right nice to his nice. house and moved yeah. in and got a room there and lived there for the first 10 months or so. And I started working at a restaurant 
right yeah, away. Yeah, that makes it easier. I, I you know, I, I had an aunt, I have an aunt and uncle who live in Malibu, and when I first moved out here, I lived with them for as long as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Until yeah. one morning, my aunt said, "I found you a sublet in Silver Lake." Silver Lake, where's that? Bye bye. Yeah, all the way across town. Okay, so I, I, I guess, guess I'm should, leaving Malibu. Let's, let's check it out. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend from high school who moved out here, so we moved in together, um, and he was becoming an editor, and so then we just never saw each other, because he was, like, doing all-nighters as an assistant editor on reality TV and stuff. Oh, wow, that sounds Mm. stressful. Um, Yeah, it was. Um, Yeah, and so for a long time, I just was, like, working at a restaurant five nights a week, um, and getting, you know, got headshots done like three weeks after I moved out here and was right. submitting it and started doing student films and, yeah. and did that yeah, yeah, yeah. for like two years. Even, wait, when was this? Was this like seven years ago? Eight years? Ten years ago. Ten I moved out here ago. in 2007. Ten years ago. Okay, so even the, even the acting game was probably different back then, right? As far as you like... Yeah, I mean, social media wasn't like the same thing at all. I mean, when I did a web series did my web series, there weren't many of them. Right, right. It existed as a thing. I didn't, you know, create the form, but there were... It was, it was like, like Lonely Girl 16 or whatever, and, like, a couple other sort of high-profile ones. Friend Zone. My web series is called Friend Zone the Series. Which and it can still be found on YouTube. I've Hilarious. watched the entire series. <laughs> yes, I, did. Um, it was really I really good. enjoyed it. It's really it's fun. Um, and that poor guy. <laughs> poor yeah. He's yeah. like yeah. he's ne- he's never met a woman that found him attractive. <laughs> yeah. Um, Based off of true circumstances. I mean, largely inspired. Put in their friend zone by everyone he meets. I love I love how it's. Especially the first season. There's three seasons out now, mm-hmm. which you can watch on YouTube. Uh, the first season is so it's so simple in its uh, form. Right. You know what I mean? It's very cut and clear in the He meets a girl or he we encounter him with a girl who he thinks he's gonna who something happens that makes him think they're gonna go on a date. Yeah. He gets ready. Right. And then gets there and realizes it's not a date and that's the end. So I, how did I feel like I've seen commercials that that really kind of like jump off from that or very similar to that, but n- not like since then. Right. I, I've like, I feel like that was, it they was, it was a idea. fun, yeah, <laughs> I think they might have, I, you know, I, I, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's a pretty universal experience. It's happened to most of us yes, at some point. Oh, that, sure. thing. So it, it's, what made you kind of come up with that? But it's that get, thing where you like get, what I mean by I've seen commercials is like that thing where like something happens and all of a sudden like these words appear on screen and labeled like oh, for yeah. you it's mm-hmm. friend zone mm-hmm. like the for, stamp for commercials yes. oh right I've seen that's commercials that do that I can't think of totally one that and that one yeah because every every episode as soon as it as soon as he has the moment of realization immediately it's like that denied zone. stamp exactly like, and it originally yeah. whatever that is it, yeah. it is in the web series it's just sort of like a graphic the words come up real big but I was originally like I pictured it as a stamp like stamping it oh, on. Yeah, and then yeah, the yeah. director who edited it who was a guy named Luke Bar- Rots, who's amazing, early YouTube comedy uh, sort of uh, path clearer for people. Uh-huh. Um, he uh, made did it this way, and uh, I like it. So, d- did you? Were you just um, had the idea, wanted to do something? Um, I, did you self finance it? 
I did self-finance it. The whole thing came about sort of through a random roundabout way, um, through having done the student films. On one of the sets of one of the student films that I was on, I learned that you could, at the time... um, if become a SAG, getting into the union is the yes, big obstacle yes, when yes. you move to Los Angeles. The uh, new media contract. Right, exactly. Right. So yes. it used to be SAG, now it's SAG-AFTRA, and for all time, it was incredibly hard to make a project that got yourself into the union because you need to get, you know, book a union job right. and any, and like the lowest two budget tiers that existed in the SAG contracts, ultra-low and experimental or something you could, you wouldn't qualify an actor for their union card. Right. And then... All uh, the rules changed when they merged. Right. Well, it was before the merge. It was, it was the, it was after the writer's strike. And when they were afraid there was going to be an actor's strike, they did the whole new media thing. damn writer's strike. That's what stopped me from finishing Lost. (laughs) It was four episodes of Lost, season four, and then there was just a huge hiatus and I never got back on the track. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So I, so I, anyway, I learned (laughs) on this... Uh, I didn't let that dissuade me. I got that. you finished the whole series. <laughs> is it worth it? I loved it. It's great. I, I, I loved it. it. I, lo- I loved it to the end. I loved that ending. So you know what happens now. Loved it, but that's that fine. And I heard people that said that they didn't love it. And I was like, I loved it. I was so moved by it. The same. Anyway. It was the human <laughs> side of it, and everybody's like, No, I want to know the mythology answers. It's right. like, yeah, the know, human was, stuff is yeah, the important stuff. I was really moved by it. Same. Um, I actually flew to New York to watch it with my friends from college who I watched Lost With all the time. Oh, um, oh for the finale? Did yeah. you did a lot of New York finale things. I, uh, Seventh uh, Book of Harry Potter, <laughs> Lost Finale. That's true. Um, they all pitched in and helped me uh, fly back so we could oh, lunch good together. friends. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so nice. Or at least they all offered. I don't know if they ended up doing it. Um, but they probably put you up or whatever and you stay with them. Right? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so on this uh, New York Film Academy film, student film that I was on, yeah. I learned that with the new media agreement, you can actually make a web series and get yourself into SAG. Yeah, and I was like, totally. no, you can't. Like, that's, that can't be true. And it was like whispers. It had like, somebody had just written an article for Backstage or Actors Access that like, I did this. The it's real. Way in. And it was yeah. like, oh my God, because... It was new and, and getting oh, that your, makes your union card was the, worth it. I was wondering about like the economics of making that web series at the time. Right. So that was it. And and I I originally was just gonna was not even gonna make a web series. I was gonna just like cut take a bunch of Shakespeare scenes and call it a web series and, and just do something. And right. and one of my acting coaches was like, You should do something that people might wanna watch. Yeah, um, that's a good. That's a, <laughs> not that's like good my monologue, right? <laughs> not just uh, random Shakespeare scenes <laughs> at, at coffee tables. Yeah, 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 um, random Shakespeare scenes at coffee tables. That'd be a good web series movie. I thought it's an idea that I've come up with. Well, um, but so then I, uh, I had actually tried. I had originally started making writing Friend Zone as a feature when I first. Soon after I moved out here, after my like second heartbreak in Los Angeles, man, you must have had to do a lot I of just editing. Was like, well, I, I started <laughs> from a feature to two minutes. I know. <laughs> well, basically, the the only part of the feature that I like had solid from the beginning was uh-huh. the montage when right. he just like all of the things happen one after the other, like all the examples and. I and wrote like, more oh, of a I movie around it. I can this all up and turn it into its own little mini-series. 
That's well, and then over the course of the series, you have some recurring characters, mm-hmm. you know, who you develop the stories with them a little bit more. And I noticed that it got it goes from like one minute and twenty seconds, and then some of them are like two minutes and mm-hmm. almost three minutes, which is much longer than the than the earlier. It's true. Ones. I thought it was cool how also each season really is like. You picked, like, a thematically different storyline. It was, like, the first season was, like, okay, every episode is going to be your friends own it. And then the second one is, like, let's follow this one sort of relationship you're into. And and then the third one, you had this kind of, like, um, kind of a little bit of a follow-up, but this kind of, like, uh, it's kind of sad. Drug, kind of uh, <laughs> drinking kind mm-hmm. of... Um, thematic to a drinking it. binge a drinking binge type the one thing. Yeah. which I really liked I was like oh season two is different it's not just more of the same it's like right. oh you're really going you're kind of finishing the story and by the time I got to the end of the whole thing I was like oh okay I see light thank you I'm glad yeah. you got that all from it you yeah for me. sure um, no, no, no. that was exactly what well, it was when he finally meets a girl who spoilers or should we give him spoilers friend <laughs> right he finally asks he finally asks for what he wants yeah is what happens yes he finally he's said, actually like, on a date right you know like exactly I'd like to take you out can I get your number I'd like to take you out on a date she was like oh I, I got that right <laughs> and, but it's like and I that's a lesson I've had to learn that like sometimes when you actually are, you have to ask you have to ask for what you want or oh, want yeah. ask what you want Whatever. Ask yeah, what ask for what you want. Otherwise, yeah. you don't get it. Um, yeah, and so with that, originally I did it to get my SAG card, and I did the first five-episode season. I wrote seven episodes, and we only did five because they were the funny ones, and we right. shot them in a weekend oh, at, like, three locations that we used as nine locations. Most of it was just all one house that, like, every room was a different episode. Right. Um, Smart. And then I got a really good response from that. I... I wound up after that first season going on this whole other detour with this other production company that I met, this the Finite Films group that right. uh, we may talk more about in a moment. Um, and then after that, I met, over the course of that, I met all of these other people, these you know filmmakers, directors, uh, camera people, sound people, yeah. who I'd, I'd known sort of like one or two when I did the first season. But I, I hired Luke to direct the first season, he got all the crew done. He had a lot more producing right, experience right. than I did, so he did that. And then first seasons two and three, um, you had built a little bit of an. I had built more experience, and so I, I did those uh, with a different group of people. Um, but it was literally, I, I had thought about going back after the first season, closer to after the first season. And doing, like, more of the same or, like, put a different character in the lead and, like, have a woman go through it and, like, be friend-zoned by different dudes or whatever. Right, right. Um, but it all just felt like the same shit. Yeah. And eventually. Same shtick. And so I, like, put it away and meanwhile <laughs> went through a whole saga of, like, being into this girl I worked with and and having it this, like, long, painful depression from that, basically. Right, right. And... And I, in the middle of, of it, was talking to somebody about doing more friend zone, and I was like, I feel like if I did it, I would want, like, season one to be, season one is the beginning, and then I would want season two to, like, be the middle, sort of like what it's like when you're actually in it, and uh-huh. then be, have season three be the end. Like, this is That's great. the so end of the friend you, zone. Friend zone's completed. Yeah. You won't go back to it at this point. No. Yeah, it's good. It feels 
like a finished story. Right. It's and good. and when I went back to do seasons two and three, which we shot together, um, I had, you know, obviously casting had lots of choices to make, but casting is a huge part of it. And uh-huh. in season one, it had been a different woman in every episode. And right. now in seasons two and three, it was going to be one woman for the whole thing. And so, you know, I had to find the right lead actress. And there was a woman I knew, an actress who I worked with at one of the restaurants who had gotten some early success, had won some, won a couple like contests and was, was on a couple shows and had, you know, 200,000 Instagram followers and 2 million Twitter followers yeah, and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was great, talented, lovely. I love her, but just like energy wise, she didn't bring quite the right combination of things that I, that I needed for this role. Cause I needed a very specific, it was a very specific needle. I was trying to thread my characters in love with this character for the whole time. If we don't like her, then we don't yes. like me. Then we don't trust well, me. She's giving a lot of mixed signals, you know? Right. And she's giving a lot of mixed signals and we have to, we have to sympathize with her. Sure. Um, I did feel like I sympathized with her. Thank you. Um, so the actress I ended up casting was Amy Handelman, who's amazing, um, and was amazing, and who I I barely knew, but just was like I'd met once and sort of was pretty sure she'd be good for it, and wound up coming through. Um, but I had the choice of do I go with the person who's not quite right, but who guarantees a hundred thousand views, right? Or do, or do I, I go, go with, with the person who's artistically right, you feel like and right and doesn't bring anything particular, you know, substantial. Beyond what I can yeah, yeah, find, yeah. and I opted to do that because I figured I'd rather have two hundred people see the thing I wanted them to see rather yeah. than. So once, like, because I I truly do not understand the economics of the web series. Sure. Um, uh, um, once you you put out a season, it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a channel, mm-hmm. I guess. And Tec- you, I mean, yeah. I and don't you look do much for with it. Sub- you look for subscribers to that channel. I did not go about this process with the economics in mind. In mind at all. You were just like, let me get so I, I made no money off of this. Okay. I, I spent all told out of my own pocket uh, somewhere between probably like six and eight grand. Over, over three seasons? The three seasons. Oh, that's, that's not f- bad. That's yeah, oh, I was gonna I, say that's a fair amount of money, but I guess it's not bad when you really it's, when you consider it. It looks and, and it sounds looks great. better than that. It holds yeah. up. Yeah. No, I mean, oh my god, I've I've spent so more much projects. more to yeah, get for less sure. done. Well, I guess but, the idea right, with the web series, you know. if you had been thinking about it, you could build followers, build a bigger base, and then eventually say, "Here, look, bigger distributors with more money. Do you want to turn this idea and project into something maybe more long and substantial into a web series? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what... But you had a specific goal for it. You The impetus was you learned that there was a, a SAG new media contract. Right. Like I just did it to get the SAG card. I didn't even, like, I could have just done... You didn't even need two seasons two and three. Right, exactly. Those I went back to just because I wanted to have something else to do, and I and I felt like I could tell more of that story and I had more to add to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's part of what you kind of have to do as, as an actor, you know, in, in Hollywood is create your own opportunities, but you know, get, get your work out there, you know, whether it's writing play, what writing web series, you know, doing um, audio books, doing, yeah. Speaking of, of should we switch into a little bit of audio book talk? 
Uh, sure. Because I think yeah. that's really interesting. I do have one more thing just to sort of add on to oh, yeah, 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 the whole sure. economics of it, of, yeah. of friend zone and web series. Um, and the the best advice I can give to anybody uh, who's who's getting into doing web content and, and stuff is just to have the next thing ready, like planned. Already have the next project lined up or at least like what your idea is going to be that you can go to if you're trying to make a build sort of a business or actually a following so that when in that someone way comes to you and says, Hey, I, I, ch- I saw friend zone, you know, what's next? Yeah. I had, I was with, I worked with another group of people a couple uh, right around that time, um, on a sketch that I did that ha- got, it, it blew up. It was about Facebook. It happened to be timed with the Facebook IPO happening that we didn't, it wasn't about that. It was about the rollout of timeline and we did like a herpes ad thing. Um, <laughs> you know, so you get it. I have timeline. Um, and <laughs> I helped write that and I did the voiceover for that. And then we did it and it blew up. It got like a regular <laughs> at a, restaurant that I worked at tweeted it and she worked at the Huffington Post it turned out so like it got onto the oh, Huffington amazing. Post yeah. and it got 700,000 views or whatever yeah. it got like fully properly viral yeah and the crew that made it had it was the old we like like teamed up to make this one thing and we didn't have anything else we had nothing else planned totally. we like the so the it was moment. like oh that was well that went really well great that way. now yeah. by the wave is yeah. gone like yeah. there's simply nothing we had a really good viral video and, and right. weren't able to capitalize on and that and we moment. were not able to capitalize on it at all so yeah. if you want to like I wasn't trying to capitalize on this but the way to do so is just have more right make more have always have more that's my friend Luke who directed season one who was half of Barats and Beretta this early YouTube comedy duo uh-huh. he you know they just like videos every week or yeah. twice a week yeah always and Absolutely. if they missed one they lost subscribers right. like right, right, people right, right. pay attention people know people lose interest and they go away so you have to be constantly making yeah things. it's a big effort it's a big job mm-hmm yeah, and it's and it's not. I've kind of been <laughs> it's doing not my style. Bit, making some content for YouTube and the internet and sketches yes. that I have and writing and editing them and you've been in one. Now we just did one. <laughs> I remember that will, that will have already come out called a straight best friend. Yeah, um, yeah, it is a lot of work, um, but it's rewarding. I'm I'm trying to create. I'm trying to do that and not get too bogged down in the. Still trying to release things and, and create content, but mentally still be like, how do I like, art- how does this fulfill me artistically at the same time? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's not just like grind the next thing out. It's like, what's the next like thing that I can do that I feel like will maybe be an opportunity for me to put something out there for people to see and at the same time, maybe say something that I want to say. But yeah, it's interesting. That's really good advice. I'm going to put that in my... Uh, Brain. Did that lead you to then working with that production company, which which was Infinite Films? Uh, Finite Films. Finite, um, Finite they films. Uh, that was the opposite. opposite. The opposite. See, the opposite. Not Infinite, right. very Finite. Um, <laughs> the uh, the I got involved with them because I did Friend Zone, and then everybody it 
you know, it came out pretty well. So afterwards, lots of people were like, oh, we should do something together. We should work together. All these yeah, yeah, people yeah. came out of the woodwork. Um, and one of the, my friends at this restaurant was like, you should meet these friends of mine. They're starting this production company. And so I crashed lunch with these friends of hers, and then they put me in their movies. Okay, Amazing. and so their movies are short films. So their movies, so they're called finite films, and their mission was twelve short films in a year, and it was basically three directors. So I they don't sort of understand the economics rotating. of that either. Uh, they there are are no economics of that. <laughs> um, they they saved up. They did a Kickstarter, raised some money in the beginning, and then they lived off savings and bled their everything dry. Because I did watch a little bit of the, you know, the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, of all that. And I'm just like, how are all these people making money? What, what, what but it's great. I mean, it, it you know, I, I guess the point of what they're doing is like, you know, we're filmmakers. We want to create our own opportunities. We want to, uh, you know, have a body of 12 short films that we have, will have finished in the course of a year mm-hmm. that will then you know, help us, you know, get commercial things off the ground. That was know? basically the like, idea. I mean, so they must have some writers who are writing screenplays and they're, you know, all gaining experience directing and producing right. and acting. Mm-hmm. And so I, I see that, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I guess like you're saying, there is no economic. Yeah, for them, there was no economic. Plan I think that's a hard that. part about Hollywood because you have a lot of art, artists that aren't thinking about the economics and the money behind things and are wanting. I mean, to they, you know, there there are because there are ways that people make money on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, now. for sure. I don't quite understand those economics either, and I was wondering if any of these. Um, one of the YouTube one has of the to guys do with click counts, right? YouTube has to do with click counts um, and ads once and you, what kind of ads. Did someone or make money off that Facebook viral video that you? No. Yeah, but if you are if you have a some sort of account or page or channel that you are constantly releasing things, you get a certain base of views or followers, and then from that point on, you I. Think create a contract with either YouTube or Facebook, and then they pay you based off of. They're allowed to play ads, and then they pay you based right. off they, how many people they help watch. Them sell ads. So yeah. each video, so and then each view it, count you get has a certain amount of revenue, and it works out in such a way that um, you need to keep producing content because you can get lots of views, but you know the amounts of money per view is incredibly small. So it's like I, I don't no specifics um, but it might be something like for every 100,000 views you get a dollar or for every 500,000 views you get a dollar or right. something like that like it's minuscule numbers but if you put a video out three times a week that gets a million views a piece then it starts to actually then, yeah add. so then so, you in your library you have 150 200 videos that somebody discovers you and then they watch Right, or you just you get your subscribers that are there every week, right? And they're right, the right, ones right. who who keep it going and generate it. Um, one of the three finite films creators, uh, my friend Michael Tucker, has started a YouTube channel of his own that does video essays on screenwriting. Oh, that's cool. Um, has he found so they've found success since the since the twelve short films? Um, they've all been the three main guys have all been sort of doing different things, a lot of writing and development of, of things. They all worked on another project together after that that um, as these things do 
it sort of was their plan. Like they sold one of their movie, one of their shorts, they sold, they like optioned it to adapt it, to try to turn it into a TV show. And then it was a years long process of trying to adapt right. it into a TV show that ended up not going anywhere. Um, and then a year later, there was a different show that was very, very similar to their concept. Um, on USA that came out. Um, the audiobooks, the audiobooks. <laughs> We're getting kind of far into the podcast, so I still kind of wanted to hit some other points. Of what Absolutely. Sorry to segue more. Um, so I just want to, I know that you've done a couple of audiobooks and, and gotten in more into voiceover, so I just mm-hmm. maybe wanted to talk a little bit about that and that kind of like aspect of your art. Yeah, everybody, you know, like I said, everybody's been telling me about my voice for a long time, mm-hmm. and... I I always knew that voiceover was one of those things that you have to actually pursue. Like, it's its own career. It's not just an easy thing to, like, make as a side thing. So you got to actually do it, which I then used as an excuse to not do anything about it for the first eight or nine years that I lived out here. And then I decided to start. So, like, a Um, year and a half, two years ago, you kind of... Yeah, about a year and a half ago. Let me get into this voiceover game. Exactly. people that I know that that have done it say that it's now been very much co-opted by celebrities. Yeah, Uh, right. A a lot of the commercial voiceovers, Mm -hmm. radio spots and and TV... Yeah, not to mention the animation itself is uh, also celebrities. They get all the big names they can. Right, right. But that doesn't mean that there's no jobs out there. Um, right. And so, yeah, you do. Yeah, it, it is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Bob's Trucking so, Company still needs somebody to... So did you just sit right. down one day and said, okay, I'm going to make a reel? So I went and found some classes. I talked to some friends. Oh, I put, put the word out and got recommendations for classes. And I, and I went to this place called The Voice Caster up in Burbank, which is great. And I did two of their commercial voiceover classes and one of their uh, animation voiceover classes and then a couple months later paid them a bunch of money to make my demo reel um, which I got back a couple months ago and have been uh, so the demo reel is your kind of submission is that how you got the the audio the audio books I I started on my own that um you can Amazon has a website called ACX, which uh-huh. is short for the Audiobook Creation Exchange, and it's basically like Actors Access for audiobooks. Right. They they it's basically a way for all of the like self published or independent published writers on Amazon because on Amazon they let you basically publish anything, anything. you want. Yes, right. Uh, they let all those people. They give them a way to get their audiobooks made. So they put. You know, whoever owns the rights to the book will put the listing up and then in a little segment of text for audition and you go on with your profile and you sit, you know, read, download the PDF of the audition text and record it well, and send it back to them. simple. So you don't even really have to have much of anything. You can just go on, read the thing, send it to them. And if they like your voice, then yeah. they're like, oh, interesting. Exactly. So I bought this mic, the, the blue Yeti, uh, the one we're using now, the one we're using now. Um, <laughs> and I built a little blanket fort in the corner of my apartment and I bought some like foam to tack to the walls. I love and, that blanket fort. Now imagery. I sit in the dark sweating 
uh, reading. We're not doing this in a blanket fort. No blanket fort for us. Our podcast is out in the open. <laughs> it probably sound better coming. From a As you can hear, they're in a big, fort. spacious room. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I've done four books. I did, I hit it sort of hard when I first started and then slowed down on it because it is a lot of work and I'm... Even to just read do a you have book is a lot of work. representation for that? No, I don't. So all everything I've gotten, I've gotten from just submitting things on ACX. Because there are agents that do that. There are. And I I mean to do that. I mean to pursue them. I It's... Uh, I'm scattered and have always so many things on my plate that things fall you through should. the cracks. You should. Do you, good voice do you read the book through once and then do it? Or do you just kind of wing it? Because that feels, sounds like it would be, you miss one word and it's like, oh gosh, got to go back, got to redo this, do, do, do. Um, I skim through, usually. Uh-huh. Um, Look for trouble words or names and stuff. Names are a big one. Um, the... Any descriptions of characters, like, you can get towards the end of the book and they can say something about how this character talks and it can oh, yeah. change everything. You know, you have to go back and re-record 200 pages yeah, of the dialogue. they were all in the South. He's British. What? I mean, literally, in one of the, in one of the books that I read, um, I read two books by the same author, and in one of them it never said where they were. Uh-huh. And then in another one, in the other one, it said they were in Atlanta. Um, and they weren't the same universe, but it made me realize that I had sort of where I'd been guessing the first one was, uh, I don't think it was probably, it was probably in, in, in Atlanta or Georgia. Oh yeah. Macon, Macon, Georgia was where the other one was. No, not even more of an accent. Yeah. Very specific. Um, yeah. And I probably did not get it right. Um, well, did the audio? So, is it? Do you have a feedback with the author, or is yeah. it the, are, are these self-published authors generally that you're talking to? Yes, these are. One of the ones that I did was for, I guess, a, 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 some sort of independent publisher or manager or something, because uh-huh. the person mentioned having a bunch of authors who had all been doing whatever. Right. Um, but the novels that I've done have been just independently published. So I've been, yeah, talking to the author. Um, and you do mostly fiction, not like... I've done books. two fiction, one diet book, and one book that was a summary of another book. Oh, okay. Um, that the diet sounds book was a little hard to get through. So you're really just getting started. So I'm pretty much getting started in the, in the audiobook world. Um, and voiceovers in general. And voiceovers in general, yeah. yeah. I'm still... I, I got my demo reel back a couple months ago, and I've been sending it out. You know, I got it right before the holidays. So then the holidays happened, and everything was crazy. So sort of in January and, and February, I've been sending it out, trying to get references from people, referrals, you know. So as you progress on that, the, what what what's next? I mean, you, did, you wrote those little friend zone things. Are you mm-hmm. writing? I am writing. I have a short film that I've been writing right now. Uh, that I started uh, over the summer um, that the script keeps adjusting, you know, things keep needing changing. It keeps sort of evolving, and I realize new things. It's a, it's a like friend zone. It's a sort of, um, it, it's personal in a weird way. It's darker than friend zone. Um, and gets, you know, sort of tricky into unsympathetic characters and, and, um, choices you maybe wish the character wouldn't make as they're making them. Yes. Um, 
so I've had to go back a lot of times to try to sort of front load, like, how can we make this bad choice more sympathetic? How can we make this bad choice as understandable as possible so that when the movie leads this character here, they have to make this bad choice, but we don't lose the audience. So it's been sending it around to a lot of people and getting feedback. This, um, I directed a, a different short that I wrote at the beginning of last year, and I'm planning on directing this one. I did not direct any friend zone. I had I hired directors for that because I wrote it. I was acting in it. Yeah, I wanted to focus on my acting and, and get lot. somebody else to actually make it. Yeah. So this next one, um, which is called The Narrator and is about a guy who narrates audiobooks from his closet in his apartment. Um, <laughs> Sounds personal. <laughs> uh, it's it is uh, you know a little more fantastical. He overhears a crime and has to go. Oh, nice. React. Mm. Um, and things go wrong. Um, so I'm planning on directing that. I'm, again, this, I'm now uh, in rehearsals for a middle school play that I am devising and directing with the students so that we're all writing it together. Um, that sounds very difficult. It I've devised is. with adults. And that in itself is can be a challenge. So but I, so rewarding though. I mean, if the kids are oh, into totally, it, yeah, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. really cool. They are. It's they're it's not about, all on the same page yet. It's about bullying. That's all I can tell you. Oh, um, that's a great topic. It's they picked it. Oh, really? Cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to get as much of it to come from them as possible, and I I'll right. always step in with sort of veto power or you know final say on things if I have to is it surprising kind of the things that they come up with so far yeah I mean we're still early we're still only two weeks into the rehearsal process right um, but uh, yeah they've been coming up with lots of great stuff and been really you know personal themselves and everything so I'm That's excited awesome. I'm, I'm still I'm still terrified and still excited about how it's going to turn out yeah um, and I, then once that ends then I'm going to try to direct this short film that I'm writing. And then once that is over, probably try to get back more into audiobooking again. Well, it sounds like you're pursuing everything in a methodical step-by-step way. And Uh, um, then I'm communicating it wrong. Well, (laughs) (laughs) everything's crazy. That's very generous of you to say. One thing has led to another and, you know, and you're putting, you know, you're building it and putting it together and I think you're, you know, you're doing some great things. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming here. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. It's so great to have you. Thank you. It's been really a pleasure and I think that, you know, anyone who's pursuing these things, whether it's, Writing short films, doing a web series, uh, becoming a voiceover talent uh, can can gain some insight from your journey. So I hope so. Thank Definitely. You. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you liked what you heard, please subscribe. Tell your friends. Rate us, like us. Rate and like us. Give us all those positive things. Give us feedback. I don't know how 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 would they give us feedback through um. There's comments. The store. Through comments, comments, ratings. uh, I rate you guys. SoundCloud app. Can you email us through there? <laughs> no, we'll have to figure that out. The next podcast, let us know how to contact. I feel like you might have Facebook. a, you have a Twitter handle. We have a Facebook. Go to our Facebook page. We it's have a Facebook page. This is happening: colon the podcast. 
colon the uh, punctuation, not the word. But you can also find us on Instagram. And they can message us on there. And you can DM us on Instagram as well. This is happening in the podcast. There are so many there ways. There we go. We've answered our question. We've figured it out. Yeah, you don't need to stay tuned. <laughs> um, all right, thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.